Welcome to After Party Season One. Yeah. <laughs> Episode One. Uh, should we go back? A yeah, little? let's let's okay. start all over again. So this so, is our first time trying this. So there's going to be a few uh, technical glitches along the way, but the idea here was we were talking a couple weeks ago about the idea of taking. Um, Sunday and having more of a free-flowing conversation coming out of that, um, starting with Bobby and I, but then opening that up to people in the community, other staff members. We just thought that might be kind of fun. We're writing sermons and then we're creating content for YouTube, um, but it's sort of pre-packaged and ready to go. We thought maybe something a little more free-flowing would be fun. And then COVID came along and we got shut down and we went online only. And we thought, well, maybe this is a good time for us to just accelerate all of that, which is why we're doing this the first time, not knowing when our mics are muted, because we're figuring this out as we go here. So <laughs> or welcome. I don't really know which camera to look at. Yeah. Jer has cameras huh? and screens and cords all over, but I'm going to try my best to connect with you through all of our gear. Right. So welcome to After Party. Uh, along with the content that we make in the week, I was also interested in, I don't know if the word is like highlighting, but we have all of this, uh, like these beautiful connections in our team and mm -hmm. sort of like this uh, between Sundays life of developing our content, uh, uh, talking out our ideas, uh, sharing like our, even our personal stories with one another, that it would be a, a fun thing to kind of bring some of that to you uh, in conversation. So here we are. Yeah. I did also want to say, uh, and with great care uh, about this, the seriousness of this moment, that we recognize people are holding uh, changing plans and uh, lots of things coming to an end and sort of managing their own mental health and anxiety. So we recognize the seriousness of this moment and still. Uh, there are these places where there's life and laughter and uh, being able to kind of like riff on what's actually happening. Maybe not with all of our thoughts, totally, mm -hmm. completely, perfectly put together and, and welcoming that, uh, the, the kind of mess messiness of it and just the, the humanity of it. So Jared and I, when we chat, there's usually some laughter <laughs> in most conversations. So I wanted to say like, I, I'm sure that as we're talking tonight, today, we will laugh. And I think that that's good and healthy and beautiful and important, but know that we're not trying to make light of this moment. It is a serious moment and we hold it with great care and we hold what's going on for you with great care. Which is I mean, ironic because we're in this story of Jonah, which is all about this sort of really, oh, you were gonna talk about this. All right, no, never go, mind. Go, 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 you're just going now. But, but just go. the idea, you know, we're, we're talking about Jonah right now, which is this, I mean, really um, heavy story about, you know, the love of God for our enemies, um, how God takes us to places that we don't want to go, to spread grace where we don't want it. And yet it's it comes to us in the form of this comedy. Like it's, it's a comedic story that gets us to laugh and get down our guard. And there's something, I think an interesting parallel there to be in a time when things are very serious and a lot of us are very anxious right now, but to hold in one hand, um, the complexity of that and the seriousness of that and all the awareness that it deserves, mm -hmm. also with the ability to continue to move on with life and to have humor and have right. laughter and enjoy ourselves, even as you know we're, right. we're sort of trapped in our homes right now doing exactly. these things. So I, when I was getting ready to come to the church today, I have been at home for two days, which for an extrovert like me is 
kind of driving me bonkers. And Jonathan just got home and he looked up at me and he was like, well, you can't beat the traffic right now, <laughs> which wasn't like a hilarious thing, but it was just like a moment to be like, it's a weird time. You can't beat the traffic right now. So how are things at home for you? Um, things are good. I think um, right now I just went home and had dinner and came on my way back. And my wife was like, you know, there needs to be a better balance here. Um, I think myself and all of the staff have been sort of running um, like long hours right now, making sure that plans are together and we're adapting to things. We're communicating well. Um, there's been so many Zoom meetings with staff and board and other pastors um, that we're in contact with passing things around. And it's great. We need to do all that. Uh, but I think sort of the new normal will hopefully start setting in in this next week and we'll have a little bit more time to be at home because Rachel is home with a new infant, but now also with our six-year-old who's home from school and she has been managing all of that. And if you're watching right now, uh, Rachel, we're apologizing or I'm apologizing for <laughs> continuing to be away so much. But I think I think we are finding our new rhythms. Like a lot of families right now is is what is going to be this new normal because I think we all realize now this is not going to be a week. It's not going to be two weeks. Yeah. It's going to be an extended period of, of figuring this out. Right. Yeah. Also, Jeremy Duncan's wearing a hoodie. Yeah, it's true. This is like, uh, this is away know. from work. <laughs> Physical contact is shut down. Like I didn't life have to... is completely turned upside down. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to do with this. That's true. <laughs> I'm surprised long. nobody commented in there that we needed, uh, that I was not wearing a gray shirt today. So. Uh, that's so great. Okay. Uh, do you want to hear how things are going at my home? Yes, let's do it. Let's do it. Here, here. <laughs> uh, things are great. <laughs> we have we have a quiet existence, Jonathan and I. I was thinking a while ago in the last, I don't know, few months that like in my 30s and in my 20s, I think I really thought I wanted like this really vibrant mm -hmm. like social life. And I think that if I would have wanted that, I would have made it happen. I never really <laughs> had that. I, I like to be at home. I like to be at home with Jonathan. So our life is in some ways like kind of like it's always been. We're just hanging out and uh, enjoying that. Although Jonathan does work for a school, a private school, and he is like running so hard. So I'm, I'm trying to be a good support to him as well. Um, so things are good at our home. Good. <laughs> Uh, okay, so let's talk about even just some of the decisions that we've been making mm -hmm. in the last like eight hours around our community, uh, decisions we've made, yeah, around COVID-19 and how to take great care. Yeah, I mean, uh, right now, uh, everybody saw we moved online uh, for this Sunday. And initially, the plan was like, let's move online for two weeks, let's evaluate and let's go. Um, now we're definitely at the point where we are online for the next four. Uh, we're going to evaluate as we go. But I think chances are, depending on the news that comes down from Alberta Health, I think there's a good chance that we are going to be online only probably for six to eight weeks. And I don't want to scare anybody with that, um, because the idea of that can be intimidating. But I think that's the reality of it. And so now we're having to rethink not just how we get the service online on a Sunday, but how we do ministry well. Like, how do we engage in conversations like this? How do we keep people connected? If we can't have our small groups happening throughout the week, how do we make sure that people are cared for, um, not just with their physical needs, but um, emotionally and spiritually and all of that that comes along with it. So we're thinking about that. We're also thinking about, you know, plan B and plan C when it comes to things like, um, 
if all non-essential services are shut down, if we're not able to use the church facility, um, how can we put together sermons? How can we put together worship? How can we put together a sermon online, uh, even if we have to be in multiple locations to get that out to people? Because you know the, the strange thing about the situation is all this is happening in the world, but it's happening during Lent. Like the, the center of our Christian calendar where we're preparing ourselves for death and resurrection and this whole central story to Christianity. And not that any time would be good to shut down services and go online and, and not be able to be with each other. But I think through that Easter season, where I think for a lot of us, myself personally, sort of you gather a lot of strength for the year, you gather a lot of the celebration for the year and you sort of store that up to not be able to experience that, to not have the joy and the, the frivolity and the celebration of all of that, um, I think I think is a big loss. Mm -hmm. It is for me. Yeah. Um, so how can we then do everything we can to bring all of that into the community online? And, and we're not really sure about that, so we're open to suggestions and comments, but I mean, these are things that our team is, is beginning to think about now. I was listening to uh, Reply All for, they put out like a five minute episode saying they were doing a call in, you know, Reply yeah. All. Reply All, I'm great a fan. podcast. Jer's a fan. I've been a fan for longer. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, I love them so much. But they asked the question that I think we can borrow and change one word from. Hmm. Uh, and they're just asking the question. They got all of their team together who make the show. And they said, like, what is the show right now? Hmm. And I was thinking about that question for us. What is the church right now? Right now, yeah. Yeah. We're thinking about that. In a sense, you asked that question mm -hmm. when our team was on Zoom today. Uh, we, we have to think about what we are, who we are mm -hmm. right now. If, if we aren't, our rhythms of, of hosting a space where people come with their whole selves, their bodies, their brains, mm -hmm. their emotions, their families uh, every Sunday, when we take like our bodies gathering out of the equation, who are we? Like, what are we? I mean, it's, it's interesting because church, a lot of what we do is content creation. We're here on YouTube. We're creating content right now. We're writing sermons. We're creating content. All of that's important. It's a big part of our jobs in terms of time commitment throughout the week. Yeah. But the experience of church is not about consuming content, right. no matter how good that content is. The experience of the community is the gathering and the being together. And I think this is the interesting challenge for us is we can continue to create content all day. Yeah. In fact, we've got less distractions now when it comes <laughs> to creating content, but, but that's not really what church is. Yeah. That content is, you know, if I can say it this way, it's like, it's the carrot that gets us in the room mm -hmm. that then gives us the experience of what it means to be together right. and to engage our bodies and our soul and our minds and our emotions and all of that at the same time. And, you know, there's going to be a video coming out on YouTube probably tomorrow or Thursday. And I'm talking a little bit about praying with your body, especially right now where we're all anxious. Because yeah. um, I realize this when I'm anxious, I carry that in my body. Like yeah. for me, it's my jaw. Right. But people, it's That's their the shoulder. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's an ongoing thing for me that my jaw is always sore when I'm anxious because um, I clench my teeth when I sleep at night. But then what does it mean for us to pray with our whole body, to relax with our whole body? And what does it mean for us to worship? as a church with our whole body because yeah. gathering and being in the space together is a really important part of this. And we're losing that now. And I often think about those spaces between us, mm -hmm. right? like how sacred those moments are people being greeted as they come into the room yeah. and looking around the room and seeing that you're like all participating in this community experience together. And 
uh, saying hi and helping someone during coffee. Like those are incredibly sacred. Yeah, it's it, there is an interesting thing. Like yeah. like serving coffee doesn't feel sacred until you're not serving coffee to yeah. someone the next week. Right. Or greeting at the door, yeah. which can kind of be this thing that feels a little perfunctory. Right. You know, I say hi to everyone, I shake their hand. All of a sudden, even that week, two weeks ago when we did church, but we couldn't shake people's hand, it was like, it was this strange yeah. um, moment to realize, oh, this is important. Like, this is this is meaningful. Yes. It's not yeah. just this thing that I do. It feels um, meaningful now that it's gone. Yeah. And hope, my hope is part of that will, this is what we'll recognize in this right. time. Right. We'll continue to meet in different ways. We'll continue to talk. We'll continue to talk about the Bible and create content. But maybe when we come back, right. things will feel sacred in a different way. So we are going to talk yes. more. Uh, 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 we are going to talk about more things than COVID-19 and the time that we're in. We're going to get to some of the themes of the sermon. But I do want to do what you're doing here. This, like, what what's our opportunity for, like, if we were to look at this mm -hmm. and say, like, what's our glass half full? kind of hmm. scenario like who do we hope to be coming through this but i also want to do the like what is the glass half empty like, yeah. i don't want to be afraid right. to ask that question too so we're saying who could we be how could this be shaping us in like good beautiful wise ways mm -hmm. you know re realizing the importance of being in spaces together mm -hmm. uh, when we don't have something we realize it's important uh what are some of the other things that you think about in terms of like the, this this could make us I, uh, Jonathan and I've been talking about I keep saying we live right on 17th and it's a very noisy part of the city and I keep saying like this is a great quieting like mm. our little condo is so much quieter just right. because the traffic is not zooming by at the speed mm. and um, as many cars as usual so there's something about like oh my gosh like I'm I'm me in this kind of quiet space. Like there's a gift mm -hmm. in the quieting. Hmm. I'm not saying it's that simple, you know, but that's the opportunity to be like, well, here's something that's good in our life in mm -hmm. this moment. Uh, but back to the church and who this could make us when we think like glass half full. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm, one thing I have noticed is even just being home a little bit more and what's going to happen is all this space now with Eaton, mm -hmm. uh, with M, who's home now, and just realizing, okay, so how? It's a bit much right now, yeah. and I'll be I'll be glad right. when we go back to better yeah. rhythms, and that's right. okay. But also right. at the same time, how do I continue to make that kind of space? There's lots of parents in the community who are facing into, okay, now we're homeschooling, we're doing all these things, yeah. um, but but how can we? hang on to a little bit of the beauty of that. How can we try to preserve some of that when we get back to normal? Yeah. I think that's an interesting piece for us to be aware of. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think part of what's going to happen is some of the lessons are going to emerge over time and there's things that are going to be immediate and they're aware to me now today. And there's others that are going to be it's going to take the four weeks or the six weeks before I even begin to realize what's beautiful about this. Right. And then there's other going to be things that, you know, immediately I regretted not having, you know, like NHL or my, my hockey league got shut down. So I'm right. not playing hockey right now. You know, there's right. those things that are taken away. I think in a month from now, there's going to be things that I'm not even noticing I'm missing right now that all of a sudden I'm going to be lamenting those things. And I, I think giving ourselves a little bit of space to, grieve the things that come to mind now um, and then to grieve the things that come to mind later um, that can be holy and that can be sacred because that brings new awareness all the time and then on the flip side the same things there's things i'm happy for now there's things i'm going to be happy for in a month and 
maybe even just writing that down becomes a, a healthy practice right. so that I remember it in, in new ways. Yeah. I, I think that's a really good point. Like uh, to, to move towards uh, the, the complexity of this moment rather than block it out. Like right. I was thinking when we look back on this, I want to remember what this was really like. Hmm. Like, I don't, I don't want to be like, I, you know, COVID-19 hardly remember it. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> like it's so significant. Yeah. I think like it, it's, it's here. I, I want to take it in as it really is. It's, it's going to be one of those generational shaping totally. moments. Like I think we're just sort of starting to realize how big it is now. Um, but this is going to be a sort of like when I was a kid yeah. kind of conversation right. that we're going to have. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> so, oh. yeah, just my brain just went dark there to go to like <laughs> remember what. Uh, um, do we want to say anything about like the things that we're worried about? Like, w w what could this? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, what are you worried about? Yeah, uh, I mean, we are hearing uh, as pastors in this community about our. Uh, people in our community who are, who are losing jobs mm -hmm. already. And that I, I think that piece of like holding space, mm -hmm. um, wondering how to, how to be really like present to those stories. Uh, yeah. I mean, Calgary's a really interesting city mm -hmm. too. I, I, I'm still getting to know it as a city. So I've, I've been here over four years. Uh, you know, the language of like, we are Calgary, like we're a city who works together and comes together. Like, I really hope that's true. Like, I, I hope that's really true. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's, this is a time when we're going to really need that. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, what else do I worry about? All kinds of things really. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think in Calgary, um, there, there is a reality where we're getting hit with so many different things from so many different angles right yeah. now yeah. Uh, with oil and gas suffering the way that it is, which let's be honest, is a, is an industry um, that affects all of us yeah. now with COVID-19. Um, I mean, th there's just a lot of different elements and a lot of change that's happening and is going to continue to happen. And I think that is what's going to be hard for people. It's not just the one or the two or the three, right. it's it's just the massive change to social structure yeah. and the massive change to our normative patterns that we're used to. Um, things are going to go back to normal. Like, I don't want to be apocalyptic. Like, we will get through this together and we will come out the other side. But at the same time, things aren't going to be the same. Like, yeah. it's not just all going to go back to normal. Right. And that can create a lot of anxiety for people. I don't, I don't think it necessarily has to be that. I think we can have a reverence for that and we can be aware of it yeah. um but there can also be good on the other side of it but i think that's a reality that we're all kind of facing right now is we don't know exactly what things will look like yeah. on the other side I mean, it's interesting too because i think it's it, we use language of imagination right quite a bit here um it's interesting to wonder about like it's so hard to imagine a future that we're not in it's really it's such a an, a difficult human experiment mm -hmm. to imagine what the world could be like it's it's like easier to like go backwards or something and with our memories although our memories are you know yeah. all kinds of like distorted things anyways but um yeah i wonder about about our imagination in this moment mm -hmm. too i think well let's talk a little bit more about jonah sure jonah too as we remember that uh we're talking about COVID all the time, but we also hmm. want to have more, more to talk about. So let's yeah, talk and about uh, let me just say that. Yeah. I mean, I think it was interesting because I had some thoughts last week about, hey, we're shutting down church. Should we 
like shut everything down and do a sermon about, you know, what's happening in the world or should we continue with our liturgy? And it was an interesting balance as I kind of went back and forth a few times about what I was going to talk about and how I was going to talk about it. And I think in the end, um, what sort of emerged from me in my reading and my study was this, you know, we stay on the Jonah story, but we find these parallels and we bring them out. And that's what we'll talk about here. But I think there is something sort of instructing, informative around that idea that sometimes um, you stick with your plans and you stick with um, the things that you've done, but you allow that to be shaped in new ways rather than sort of let's drop it and let's pick up this thing. We continued with Jonah, but we found parallels. We found access points to talk about what was happening in the world. And that just felt very, um, in one sense, very stable and very grounding for me, but it also didn't feel like I was avoiding things or pushing away from it. And maybe people had other experiences of that, but that's what it felt like for me. Well, it was I like, think, yeah, I think we heard that in in people's feedback from our live stream experience uh, experiment right. on Sunday. Is people were saying, "Thank you for giving this this space where it felt normal again, just mm-hmm. for half an hour of listening to the sermon, half an hour of listening <laughs> to some music and a prayer." It was like, "This is mm-hmm. oh, this is this is a part of my life." And even though I'm in my living room in my pajamas like you're still there and I can still hear you. And that's really meaningful to me. So that seems important. So let's talk about, we talked about fear on Sunday uh, and you were making some distinctions between fear and reverence. And I just wondered if we could kind of keep expanding that. Um, So in, in the biblical side of the story, there's, there's this interesting parallel that the writer of Jonah makes and the language is very specific. So they feared a great fear. So gadol yare is, is the Hebrew there for great fear. Um, and that's when the storm is rising up. And then the sea calms down and it says that they had a great fear of the Lord. Um, so you end up with this great fear of fear versus great fear of the Lord. And so then I went to, um, there's the Jewish Publication Society that puts out um, all these commentaries on the Hebrew scriptures. And Uriel Simon was the one I was looking at. And he, he drew, drew this beautiful sort of um, way of drawing the Hebrew thinking out there that they were overcome by this fear of fear. And then they were opened up to this fear of the Lord. And that that he felt was the gift. And it was the, um, it was the contrast to the other fear. Right. So a great fear of fear is the sort of negative thing that makes you afraid. The great fear of the Lord is the gift on the other side of that that brings you out of being afraid. And it moves your attention away from fear and away from afraidness Mm -hmm. to reverence and awe and awareness of what really is in the Lord. And I just thought that was this really profound uh, recognition, particularly at this time, where we have all of this stuff going around us and we need to have awe and we need to have reverence and we need to take everything seriously. But we also want to stay away from slipping into fear in the sense of I'm afraid of being afraid. And all I want to do is like pull the blinds down and shut myself off. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to self isolate because I'm afraid of the world rather than I'm going to social distance because I care for the people around me. And I'm going to do that for their good because I love them and because I'm actually thinking about them and engaging with them. And I think there's a fear that kind of like we withdraw, we pull back, mm-hmm. um, we get afraid of people. So I'm, yeah. if I'm afraid of sickness, now I'm afraid of you and I don't want you around. Right, right, right. Or there's a raw, awe. Uh, uh, like you become the virus. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, like we're now we're all afraid of each other. And that's yeah. not good. Like that's no, not going to draw us together. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but then how can we have 
at the same time, thoughtfulness and awareness that deals with this on, on the terms that it deserves, oh, yeah. just like the fear of the Lord, right. you know, because these sailors, they're not flippant. Um, they offer sacrifices to the Lord. They make vows to God, you know, these types of things. Like they're it's really a, great characters. They are story. great characters so in the story, great. you know, and I love, I just love that ability that the rabbis and yeah. Hebrew thinkers have to play with language oh, that way. Because yeah, yeah. that's what I talked about in the Mitten sermon is we hear fear of fear, fear of the Lord. And immediately we're just like, it's the same word. Therefore I should be afraid of God. Right, right, right. And one of the things I want to say about this is, um, I remember, I don't know, maybe a decade ago, who knows timelines, <laughs> right. Uh, realizing that like, I did not want that kind of fear in my spiritual, uh, in my spiritual life, that kind right. of, because that's, that to me was like an abusive deity. Mm -hmm. Like, I thought I, I, it was, it was when I was trying to date and I thought, I don't want to, I want to move towards someone and I don't want to be afraid of them. Um, and why would I want to be afraid? That's an abusive deity. And if, if God is an abuser, I want nothing to mm -hmm. do with that God. I'll be fine on my own. Thank yeah. you very much. <laughs> but I think it's really important to like dig, dig into that. Um, how can we actually read the scriptures with that, uh, the kind of like the beauty and the reverence, mm -hmm. like, should we just develop some muscles in our mind to be like, every time I see that word, I switch it or <laughs> what does that yeah. really look like? You know? I think it's tough because sometimes we don't have, we speak a different language right. and we have different rules in English than they do in Hebrew. We have different vocabulary. You know, I, I mentioned it quickly. But biblical Hebrew, ancient Hebrew, has such a limited right. vocabulary like compared. Lego. Yeah, it's like primary colors Lego. Yeah, like, like I often think about we're just like building with these blocks. When you language. are learning biblical Hebrew, like in your undergrad, they will tell you like six hundred words, and you've basically got a working vocabulary. Like you, most of us have thousands of words in our English vocabulary. A lot of us have like upwards of 10,000 words that we use yeah. in our English vocabulary. That doesn't even exist in Hebrew. Yeah. And therefore words take on all kinds of different meanings depending on their context. And, and you have to kind of get into the, you know, not what does this word say, but what is this story about? How do I put myself in this story? How do I put myself in these shoes? How do I imagine myself in the context of what's happening here? And then what's the semantic range of what these words might have meant to me in that moment? But it's, it's difficult. Right. And I think that's where we have, to, we have to have sermons. We have to speak together in ways that sort of broaden this out for us a bit. Right, which is that the practice of midrash. Right. right? It, it, the rabbi saying, like, what if it means this? What if yeah. it means that? No, I think it could mean that. Like, oh, what if this character is actually like mm -hmm. this other thing? Uh, I think we're so we're we're of such a mindset that's like looking for the answer mm -hmm. a lot of the time rather than like opening up the story yeah so right? one of the things we talked about in the series was what if this story is a writer looking back right. on the conquest of the northern kingdom by the Assyrians and saying what if we had done things differently right. that's not me saying that is what's going on here I think it is when I look at the story like I think I, I mean, think that's what's going on that I know yeah I was like Hold up. <laughs> I did. If you're interested in that, we did do, I did a video on our YouTube channel. You can see it down below. It's called alternate timelines in the Bible um, and talked about it a bit more, but you're right. But, but what the beauty is, is being able to say, Hey, what if this is happening here? Can we stop? Can we talk? Can we think about that? 
And in the Hebrew tradition, there's this, this rich ability to be able to do that in ways that I think sometimes in Christianity, we, we just get scared of, yes. of asking, what if this is happening? And I think if we did that a little bit more, I think we would have this much richer understanding of what's going on in these stories. Now, I also think yeah. we can take that same approach to the New Testament, yeah. particularly, like Paul's different, right? Because Paul's Paul has something he wants to say in mind. And then we have to do our best scholarship and our best thinking to but figure parables. that out. But parables, little I mean, parables Questions. are meant to have multiple interpretations. Yeah. Um, if, if Jesus wanted to get you to one point, he could have gotten you there. He tells stories so that all of us can come at these things from different angles and say, what's going on here? And by the way, um, I'll, tell you, I'll give a plug here. Go onto our YouTube channel and look for um, source critical approaches in Luke. If you search that, you'll find it somewhere. But we talked about one of these parables in Luke where Luke and Matthew take a parable from Jesus and they seem to think it means the exact opposite thing. And, and that's a really beautiful thing. That doesn't have to be a scary thing. It's realizing that parables come to us in all kinds of different ways. Right. I was trying to make a link between what I said earlier, uh, that kind of like midrash way of looking at a story or a word, mm -hmm. a parable, a question Jesus asked, uh, but also like doing that with our own spiritual lives. Like that oh, yeah, moment cool. where I was like, ah, I think I've been taught to fear God and I don't, I don't, I want to move away from that in my life. Mm -hmm. What if God is, to me, you know, uh, all, I don't know. I've, I've been thinking about this yeah. idea of a key for a long time, like a key that unlocks something, a key that unlocks myself to myself, hmm. um, aspects of my relationships, uh, um, parts of, yeah, all, my desire, all yeah. of that. Uh, but I think that it's interesting to, to play with what that could look like. Oh, I, if I didn't, if I didn't like, if I'm uncomfortable with this part of my relationship with the divine, what if I change it? Yeah. What if I just change it? <laughs> and I think, right. I think for some people, um, you know, I, I like the language of the fear of the Lord in the Old Testament. Yeah. But for me, I make the distinction between being afraid of God right. and having this awareness or fear of the Lord. You know, because that is biblical language. That is what it says. Right. Um, but, you know, how do we understand that semantic range in there? To me, to just step back and say, oh, I don't want to be afraid of God. I don't think that's how my conception of the divine right. works. So then, therefore, what does fear of the Lord look like for me? Yeah. For me, it okay. doesn't look like We're being. Yeah, event. good point. I think. I might in 10 years be like, right. it's time for me to get afraid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, because, and here's, here's the beauty of it. So when I am doing things that I know are hurting other people, fear of the Lord becomes a really meaningful way for me to think about God. So I don't want to jettison that. Yeah. I just want to have the ability to allow it to speak to me at the moment that I'm in. Right. When I am in a good place and when I am drawing near to God, I don't want the fear of the Lord to be something that pushes me away and makes me afraid. Yeah. When I'm doing things that I know aren't right and they're not helpful and they're hurting my wife or someone that I work with or people around me, then I want, I want a different time of fear of the Lord that's going right. to push back on me. Right. Not because God's going to get me. That's no, not how I conceptualize like, God. It's this like, no, this isn't, you are being who you are meant yeah. to be. Uh, somebody who would know no more right no better yeah um yeah let's talk about i'm out of coffee you're That's out it. of coffee sorry did you bring water <laughs> no <laughs> other modes to hydrate yourself. Uh -huh. sorry we'll make it <laughs> he's gonna be okay 
There's bubbly in the fridge. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, let's talk about Jonah's cut and paste prayer yeah. from the bottom of the sea. Because I think this idea is so interesting that, mm. well, the, the scene is so interesting that we hear uh, this kind of collage of language. Mm. Uh, it's it's also interesting that he's like praying this prayer of deliverance, but he's stuck yeah. <laughs> in, in a place. Uh yeah. So two things I find really interesting about yeah. the prayer. Uh, one, he talks about the Lord is my salvation. And I don't think for a moment that we should assume he thinks having been swallowed by a fish, that things are okay now. Right. Like, I don't think in the moment when that fish swallows you, you're like, okay, uh, it's all right. good. Like this fish is going to spit me out on dry land right. like and just know where that exactly like like the character in the story is not thinking that right. the character in the story is probably still thinking i'm done like i've got show. i've got seconds or minutes left here right. before my life is snuffed so this out is like hail mary is it is it a hail mary or is it i trust that you are going to do good for me whatever comes next i like i don't know yeah it's a really interesting yeah, a prayer yeah. Really yeah. so so i don't know what's going on but it's a really interesting thing because i don't think at all the character of jonah is supposed to know that he's saved when he gets swallowed by a whale yeah so when he's saying that prayer i still think he thinks he's done for yeah what do you think of all the space it takes up? It's not yeah. short. Yeah, of a four-chapter book, it's yeah. a whole chapter of it. Yeah. It's one quarter of the entire book. Right. I, I didn't count how many lines there are, but yeah. I mean, it would be different if you were any of Yeah, actually, uh, interesting thing. Yeah, so on yeah. Sunday, <laughs> I, I wanted to get through chapter two, and I spent a lot of time talking about the last verse of chapter one. Yeah. That's because that's the start of chapter two in Hebrew. Uh, so in the Hebrew Bible... Okay. Um, the story ends with Jonah being thrown into the ocean. Yeah. Chapter two starts with a great whale swallows him and then he prays. For some reason in English, we were like, well, we can't just leave. We can't end a chapter with him being thrown in the water. And so we had to have the whale come along and swallow him so that we all knew it was all going to be, be okay. okay. It's going to be okay. Exactly. <laughs> so there's, there's a sof pasuk, which is like a, um, it's like a hard stop at the end of, and then Jonah was thrown in the water. Right. So as a Hebrew reader, you end... Yeah with he got tossed in the water, period. And then you wait, and then it's like, and then a fish showed up to swallow him. And I had a whole section written on that and I had to cut it for time because <laughs> it was already too long. But that's actually part of chapter two. So it goes with the prayer. It doesn't go with the interaction on the boat, which is a really interesting piece. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the yeah. other thing about the prayer, he quotes from 11 different Psalms. Now the Psalms are broken up into different categories. And in Jonah two, all of the quotes come from Psalms of Thanksgiving. Okay. So they aren't from the Psalms of lament. Oh, um, yeah. There's some. They're from the Psalms of, of praise or thanksgiving, right. which is a really interesting moment right. or interesting frame, because again, Jonah is literature. So whoever is writing this story, um, yes, there's the character of Jonah who's in the belly, who's like pulling from his memory and he's quoting all right. these things. There's also a writer who's choosing the things to put into the mouth of Jonah right. for very specific reasons. And he's choosing Psalms of Thanksgiving. So what does that mean? Well, I think part of it means that the prayer of Jonah, um, this calling out to the Lord that ends with him on the beach is, is a sort of precursor to the, to the idea of a second chance. So the character might know, not know that he's going to get saved. He's going to end up on a beach. But the writer of this story, this 
chooses Psalms of Thanksgiving to express this idea that in our most precarious situation, even at the bottom of the ocean, even in the belly of a whale, um, our prayers are expressions of a second chance that is coming all the time, no matter how many times we need it. And I, I kind of oh, really, yeah, I really love this idea that that's what the salvation is. It's not the character. There's always a second chance. And so we can give thanks for that. You know, no matter where I am, I don't know what's coming next, but I can give whatever that's going to look like for me. Yeah. Which is really appropriate at moment. It is. Yeah, it really is. So. Yeah. So did you say that if a, a, a big fish were coming for you, you would make up your own <laughs> prayers? Is that, are you more on the like, I would go to the prayers of another or I would find my own words for my prayer? Well, my what comment was that I would have some colorful yeah, language that would come out in that moment. Right. So I mean, like I, what I think, what I was trying to express there was the idea that I don't think I would be eloquent enough right. to quote someone in that moment. Like okay. I would just scream and okay. say, help. Okay. Right. And so I think there's that interesting contrast yeah. there. I don't I don't know. Maybe yeah. would you do something different? Well, it made me think about um, different times of my own deconstruction. Sure. When I could not find my own words for prayer. Yes. And prayer books became incredibly important mm -hmm. to me and sort of like cutting and pasting yeah. the prayers of others into my own life. So I think in I don't know. I just kind of offer that. Like, yeah. if you're like, I don't know what to pray. It's okay. Like there are lots of prayers in the world that you can find and pray for yourself that have like taught me larger ways yeah. to speak and ways to be with God. If I, I totally think yeah. in, if, if I imagine myself in a moment where a fish right. is coming at me, no, I don't think I'd be eloquent enough to right. go back to the I'd prayers like, of the people. Let me go get my yeah, book. Exactly. <laughs> but I do agree. Right. Um, that when I feel anxious, um, when I'm upset, far more frequently, yeah. I pray liturgical prayers. Yes, um, I'm gonna, the, the video that's gonna come out in a couple of days is about the Jesus prayer, right. which is a really meaningful one for me. It's a really simple one. Um, and I go back to it over and over again. I find it very calming because it's part of how I breathe. There's a rhythm to it. Um, so those things. And then I also have um, a number of prayer books in my office that, yeah. that I go back to and I read those things. So yes, in moments of stress, in moments of like, you know, everything's falling apart. I do usually go to liturgical yeah. prayers yeah. in a moment of like the bus is about to hit me or right. the whale is about I to swallow me. That's I'm a little okay, more. Okay, I swear so. too. Yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I maybe this this does make me think about this moment. I was like, we grew up quite differently. Mm -hmm. I grew up in the Catholic Church, right. um, so surrounded by imagery, surrounded by liturgy, surrounded by um, mm. bodies that that bow, you know, you, you go up, you receive the Eucharist, you come back, you take the kneeler down from the pew, you kneel down, you daydream for two minutes and then you sit back in your pew. But in the worst moments of my life, I have gone back to this very simple little chorus. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's be not afraid. I go before you always come follow me and I will give you rest. And it's just, I can sit here like this man in my parish with his guitar you know, yeah. strumming away. But this moment that we're in, um, those of you who are with your kids at home, like the, the ways that we like, um, it like impress mm. upon them, these songs and prayers that can carry them and go with them, not only in this moment of pandemic in the world, but far beyond that, I think is an opportunity to like remember our own formation and pass on the formation of our faith in very careful and poetic ways. Um, 
There's somebody asking about where can you find some prayers. So I'll give uh, Bobby here a second. But I think one of the things I would suggest is um, going to commons.church slash liturgy. So we create a lot of prayers here at the church. Um, sometimes, um, like Bobby said, they are cut and paste from ancient prayers of the church. Um, but Bobby, Yelena, you know, our team, um, craft, I mean, some really beautiful liturgical prayers. And all of those get posted every Sunday to our website. And that is an area that I, I have actually gone back to. And I pull some of those prayers and I read them to myself and I pray them. So um, it's not a book, but it's one there. Um, Maybe someday. Yeah, we, yeah, we could. We could compile some of that stuff because there's yeah, a lot of beauty in that. Um, but do you have any prayer books that you'd suggest? I Well, I do love Common Prayer for Ordinary Radicals, yeah. which is a book. But also every day uh, when you just go to commonprayerforordinaryradicals.net or something, uh, they have all the day's prayers, which can remember. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, it, they're beautiful. Um, I can throw a link in the chat in a moment. And I also love Celtic Daily Prayer. Hmm. Uh, it's a beautiful book. Uh, put it on your list for the future. Uh, also reading some Rumi or hmm. some some poetry and prayers from other faith traditions uh, can expand your own imagination for prayer. I think it can be really beautiful. Right. We could we could maybe compile some stuff and, yeah. and put some on the liturgy blog, but but check that out as well. Uh, okay, let's talk about how are we doing? How are we doing for time here? Okay, maybe okay. one more question. Right on track, track. Okay. All right. <laughs> so I'm wondering if we can talk a little bit more about uh, the absurdity of the Jonah story right. and the absurdity of the moment that we're in, <laughs> in terms of like, I can't believe it. I'm going to be in my house for like weeks with kids. I don't have kids, but you are maybe in that space. Uh, and finding these opportunities mm -hmm. to like acknowledge again, the seriousness of the moment and every day the news is it shifts, but also finding like little moments of laughter and being able to like step back and be like, this is absurd. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, should you feel the need to laugh? I mean, it, it, it is. I mean, it's a really interesting thing to see, you know, and we touched on this earlier and maybe I stepped on your toes here, but um, the idea that Jonah is a, a very serious book yeah. with very serious ideas in there. Like how much more um, serious can you get than the idea of taking the message of grace and God's love to the very people that conquered your country and brutally, yeah, violently, um, hauled you off, hauled you off into exile, yeah. you know, burned your homes, took you away. Like, how much a more serious idea can this story be about? But then to be set with such an absurd story and comedy, there is something really profound about that. And I, that's what I talked about in the first week of the series this idea that when we laugh, yeah. Um, we can be opened up to reality in new ways. And we think about things and we think about things in ways that we're not used to, um, that, that something can feel overwhelming. And then when we can laugh about it, it's like, it's like we step outside of it for a moment, we can look at it from a new angle. And it doesn't become less big. It doesn't become less important. It's just now we get another angle on it. And I think that is something that becomes really Im important for our, for our particular time right now, that... Um, that we can have free-flowing, open conversations like this. Yeah. We are working really hard to craft like these beautiful prayers already on Monday and Tuesday, to put that out there so that you can pray with your children, you can pray with your family, you can pray yourself and reflect on what's happening. But And, and there's, a, there's a moment for that, and it's really important. Yeah. It's also really important to just like pick up FaceTime and talk to family 
and not be anxious about the moment, but just how are you doing right now and check in with neighbors and, and be able to do that as well. And the sort of juxtaposition of those things is part of the sacredness of it. So being able to laugh with family about something that's funny right now um, is not just, it doesn't just take your mind off things. It's sacred because it reminds you of the full experience of what it means to be human right now, where we are in a place where it's very easy to forget how to be fully human and to only be on edge. And we have to be on edge and that's important too. But if we're only that, like we can't sustain that kind of thing for a long time. So laughter becomes important and joy becomes important and rest becomes important, especially when you're at home with nothing to do, like resting and sleeping well actually becomes really important. Like all of these things and how do we maintain all of that right now? Um, I'm going back to like the physicality of our stress yeah. and anxiety and the physicality of our laughter and like the importance of those things hmm. uh, taking up residence inside of us that like when I laugh, like so- my shoulders release yeah. <laughs> and maybe your jaw has a little respite. I don't know. Bobby's giving me a hard time because yeah. uh, for the last like six months, I've had a lot of problem with clenching my jaw at night. So I come in and I complain about it at work and then Bobby oh, asks so me. You, so. And I'm wearing a hoodie, so like every uh, clearly I'm relaxed now. So, uh, but yeah, and but uh, yeah, I just I was. Oh, is there a moment where comedy like shifted something really significant for you? Or can you think of like that's I a good question? And I like I I have one. Yeah, go. Cool. I was thinking about. I often think about Michael Jay's special. I can't remember what it's called huh. on Netflix, and he is one of the head writers of SNL, and he talks about the power of white women and it put me in my place <laughs> like, like i i love to get all like fired up about all things feminist and like mm-hmm. social justice matters to me of course but michael che talked about and he had this whole bit about women gentrifying brooklyn and i was like <laughs> it was hilarious but i i saw i took like it took this 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 thing and i looked at myself and then I carried on a little bit differently because mm-hmm. of it. I also had a laugh because I was yeah. like, that is true. Yeah. I mean, I mean, laughing at yourself mm-hmm. is it's my favorite thing. Yeah. But it's, <laughs> you know, it's hard, right? It's yeah. easy to laugh at other people, oh, yeah. um, but to legitimately yeah. sort of become aware of your own absurdity right. and, the, and the ways that you move through the world. Right. I mean, I think that's a, that's a hard thing for all of right. us to do. Right. right. Yeah. So. You know, we all like to be woke about other people. None of us want to be woke about ourselves, right? So, (laughs) yeah, Michelle Wolf says, You're a little too woke. Go to sleep a little bit. (laughs) Also, a great special. I can't promise it's clean. It's not. It's it's great. Uh, Yeah. Do you, can you think of a moment where you watched? I mean, the example that I used in the sermon was Nanette by Hannah Gadsby. So, if people haven't seen that one, um, now's the time. Yeah. I mean, is it? (laughs) <laughs> so yeah. all the time it's intense yeah it, it's intense so uh, it's it's hilarious yeah. all at the same time um you know i mean you know i'm, I'm hesitant to say this one but there, there have been moments with louis ck and i know there's um a lot of complex oh, things there. about uh, louis in the last couple of years um you know but i mean he, he not be exactly yeah <laughs> but he also named some things right. i think for a lot of us that right. we we have to be more aware of um in terms of what it means to to be um, caring for people, to be aware of our privilege, all those things. And I think this is, you know, another one of the complexities of it. The people who do terrible things 
sometimes have also said really powerful things. And, you know, you can talk about Uncommon. I've had that in my own life where people I've looked up to and, you know, had a lot of admiration for yeah. have really let me down. And I've had to work through on the other side of that. How do I be honest with who this person really is now? Right. And the, you know, the fact that now I see them in a different way. Yeah. And I'm never not going to be able to see them fully. I mean, that's Louis C.K. Yeah. I'm never not going to be able to see him the way that I do now. It's not going to go back. Yeah. At the same time, um, is there still truth? Is there wisdom in the things that he said? Are there ways that he you know, opened me to new things? And that goes beyond just Me Too and Louis C.K. and moments in media right now. That goes for all of our lives. Yeah. Like at some point, you and I are going to disappoint people in our community. Right. Um, hopefully, not in ways that we can't work through and get past. Um, but, but I mean, that's the reality of being human. That's the reality of, of investing in someone is at some point they're going to let you down. Does that mean that it devalues all the truth and the beauty and what they've said to you? No. Um, but it also doesn't mean you ignore it. So right. Yeah. For whatever, whatever that's worth. Yeah. Can you laugh at it? Yeah. Do you get to a place where you laugh at it? Um, I will say, in my personal life, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm thinking of one particular situation where somebody um, that I work with made some mistakes and it was really deep and it was really painful and it was really hard for me yeah. um, because that was someone who had a huge impact in shaping my life and getting me back into ministry when I had left it. Um, I can't laugh about the things that happened and the people that were hurt, but I am, I was able to rebuild that relationship in different ways. Uh, I'm able to laugh with him. Mm -hmm. I'm able to mm -hmm. um, be friends and to learn from him in new ways. Mm -hmm. I can't go back to the way things were. Our relationship can't go back to the way that things were. But yeah, I mean, there are ways that, that you can, um, you can't go back, but you can create a new future. Right. Right. And it takes time. It right. took years, right. literally years. So this was not a like, a one it, week like, and I thought you. about it yeah, and then I forgave and we moved forward. Like it took years to do it. Uh, but there, but you know, as a as an encouragement, right. there can be a new normal on the other side, right. somewhere way down the line. Sometimes, right. yeah, I think that maybe all of our humor is a little bit different too. Sure. When I think about some of the relationships in my life that really hurt me, and and then how it shaped me, and like some of the ways I'm most proud of, hmm. that there is something almost comical about that. Like not like haha, what a yeah, funny yeah. joke, but oh my goodness, can you believe that reversal? Yeah. Like, can you believe that the thing that completely crushed me became this like thing that shaped me and one of the things that I value most? Mm -hmm. like, there's some something of humor. So Frederick Buechner, you yeah. know this book. Yeah. Um, you know, the gospel yeah. is a fairy tale tragedy and comedy. Yeah. And that's what he talks about, the, the, the comedy of the cross, right. which is yeah. such a, you know, absurd way to think about it at first. But what he's talking about is like, how absurd is it to think about the God of the universe who created everything, then coming, being stripped naked and put on a cross. And it's, it's painful and it's hard, but then there comes a moment where you just say like, how, how absurd is our universe that our God would do this? Right. Um, and, and these reversals that yeah, he talks exactly. about that you expect one thing and yeah. then you see another. And there is something that you, it's not a, it's not a ha ha funny. Right. It's a like, I yeah. can't believe the universe is like this right. kind of way. Right. Um, so if you haven't read that, Frederick Buechner, um, The Gospel of Tragedy, Fairy Tale, and Comedy is a fantastic, it's a short little book too. And it's beautiful. Yeah. He's such a good writer. Yeah. So check it out. Great. Yeah.
Okay, so this is my last bit, okay. I think. So you had this line that you preached on Sunday uh, that God is not in paradise waiting. God is already in Nineveh mm-hmm. working. And I wanted to bring us back to the moment that we're in. Hmm. And can, I, I wrote the prayer from in the service on Sunday and thought a lot about, you know, some of the language of the prayer was um, in an uncertain time, we often move from security to scarcity Mm. wherever we go god you were there you know that like i wanted to move from not always be in the place where we hope we are that like maybe i am feeling really insecure about this moment Mm -hmm. and god you are there uh so thinking about like where how is god in the bad place yeah i mean i think that's the point of that opening chapter yeah you know God says, I want you to go to Nineveh. And Jonah runs away and goes the other way because he wants to get away from the presence of God. And Jonah is not thinking it through. But as the reader, you're supposed to say, well, if he's going away from God, where is God? God's in Nineveh. I I mean, that was three weeks ago now. Now we find ourselves in this place where the world is shutting down. It's having drastic impacts on our economy. All of us are going to feel this. Like there is no way for any of us to get around this. Where is God in this right now? And I think that's a very honest and valid question. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that I have an answer. Like, I can't say, here's God. Here's why it's okay. Here's how God is making it all better. But I do have, and this is the faith posture of it. I have this faith posture that tells me, well, God is still present to me right now. Mm -hmm. Even when I can't see God, Mm -hmm. even in Nineveh, where things feel very wicked and things feel very oppressive. I'm going to trust that God is here and I'm going to trust that as I move through and I'm faithful and I do what I should do and I care for the people around me and I don't just look after myself and I don't hoard to myself. I mean, in in literal ways right now, but in in figurative ways that I'm going to encounter God at some point along the way. And I think this is what gets difficult is that is that piece of um, I'm going to keep doing the next right thing and I'm going to keep being generous and I'm going to keep being faithful and I'm going to keep trusting that eventually here in shutdown Calgary in Nineveh, I am going to encounter God and I don't know when, and I don't know how long it's going to take, but I'm going to keep moving in that direction. And and this is the hard part is that's not, that's not a logical thing. Like that's a faith posture thing. That's a thing that I'm choosing to say I'm going to find. And I think this is, um, you know, there's something here that I think is an interaction between our psychology and our spirituality, where the more we choose to believe we're going to encounter good, then the more we see it, right? So when Paul talks about whatever is good, whatever is pure, what is lovely, admirable, think about these things. I think what he's saying there is when you focus on those things, you will notice them. Right. They're not more or less, but he's saying, look around you, find what's good and, and yeah. center yourself on that. And then you're going to be more aware of that goodness all around you all the time. So that's a psychological element of yeah, it. Like, right. like when we look, it's, it's, it's the power of positive thinking, right. not taken to the ridiculous extreme of thinking right. that if I'm just positive, the universe is going to make right. everything go well for me because it's not true, yeah. right? Like I can be super positive and sometimes the world doesn't work the right. way that I want. Yeah. However, when I find the good wherever I am and I celebrate that, then I become more aware, I become more open, my eyes open up to different right. things and I see the world in different ways. So there's that piece. Yeah. That's the psychology side. The spirituality side is this faith piece 
of saying, I think the story is bigger than this moment. Yes. Yeah. And I'm going to keep pushing forward until the story reaches the end that I know it's moving to. Right. And I don't know how it's going to get there. And there might be a lot of twists and turns right. and it might not be on my timeline, but I do believe that the story ends with good and the story ends with beauty. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to just keep pushing forward, believing in that, because that's what the gospel tells me is that God is going to do good for all of us. I don't know what that looks like and I don't know when, but I believe that. And so I trust that and I'm going to keep moving forward that I'm going to keep creating that in my world right now. And that's what we talk about the kingdom of God or commonwealth of God. That's what that idea means for me that I trust that God is good. Yeah. So right now when I care for the common good, I'm going to help create that commonwealth because yeah. I believe that one day that type of um, approach to the world will be the only approach to the world. Right. And, and the, and the doing of that mm -hmm. is, is bringing some of that future yes. to the present. Yeah. Like it, it, I read a tweet by propaganda today and he, it's, it sounded like I read it pretty quickly. He <laughs> pulled up to a grocery store with one of his kids, the hip hop artist, wherever he lives. In yeah. the world. And, uh, <laughs> And there was a, a, some anxiety in his child about like, how much should we buy right. at the store? And he said, I, I, haven't, I haven't been through a pandemic before, but I have been poor before. Mm -hmm. And I know one thing, like we will take whatever's like, we'll be the last to take. Mm -hmm. And he said something in, the, in this small little tweet no. that I think that that's what brought my daughter mm -hmm. or son, I can't remember, uh, some calm. And I thought like, oh my goodness, if we approach the yeah. grocery store like that, like... I, I'm gonna wait. Go ahead, you buy you buy the toilet paper. Yeah. I'll just get what, yeah. what's left. Like if we approached wow. um, our resources in that way, we are bringing that future like here yeah. now. Cool. I want I'm, I want to be that neighbor. <laughs> I want to be that neighbor. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. let's end with uh, a practice of gratitude. Sure. What are three things you're feeling grateful for? Oh, uh, interesting. Um, I would say, first of all, I am, and this is not uh, to, I'm, I'm really thankful for our staff team here. It's, it's been, uh, it's been a crazy sort of 72 hours here, uh, but our team has worked really hard um, from wherever they are, pulling together, um, caring for each other, looking out for each other. Um, it's, it's a real gift to be able to um, work on the fly and adapt to these things as we go, but to get to do that in team. And I know not everybody has that. A lot of people are uh, making decisions and adapting to things sort of on their own or with their family. And I've got to do that with my wife and with my son and now our daughter, but also with this, this whole team of people here at Common. So that, that, that's the first thing. Um, second, I'm really grateful that, that I do have enough. So we are not um, particularly vulnerable in this moment. And yeah, th there have been changes to our patterns, changes to our habits. Um, but we do have the resources to look after ourselves. We do have community around us, you know, that will care for us and stuff. And, and that's really beautiful. So there are people who can't get to the store. There are people who are, um, immunocompromised in different ways, um, that are really fearful of going out right now. And, and you know, I, there's a little bit of that because, you know, Emma is, is still quite immunocompromised. So I am a little fearful about getting sick and bringing that home to her, but, but, you know, personally, I'm healthy. I, I'm not concerned about that. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. And the last thing I would say is um, I am grateful for this, this larger community. One of the beautiful moments on Sunday was seeing, if you saw our Instagram feed, all the images of yeah. people sharing, them watching the sermon and the service online. And, you know, 
preaching to an empty room is a weird experience. Like you're just standing there and you're like, there's no feedback and you're not really sure what's going on. You just, you're just trying to talk, but then seeing people participating along with us when I got off the stage and seeing those images was like, Oh, right. So I'm in this empty room. I'm here with a couple of people, but there's literally, you know, hundreds of people and, and then plus online tracking with us and engaging with us. And, and there was a little moment of not feeling quite so alone and yeah. quite so isolated right. and it feels like a small thing but it was actually kind of a, a little beautiful thing too beautiful. so yeah yeah yours i am great i'm yeah incredibly grateful for this community it's sometimes i still am like i get to live this <laughs> like i'm pinching myself i love it i'm grateful for the larger story of jonah i think it's really interesting yeah. and i'm preaching on sunday so i'm grateful to like be really kind of like diving into the narrative this week that's really fun mm. and i'm really grateful for jonathan i just feel so i i'm a little grateful for jonathan I, I, I he's a nice guy <laughs> i just feel really grateful for that guy that i get to be married to him cool well one of the batteries on our cameras has died uh and we are just over an hour here so i think we're gonna wrap it up here um what i'll say is this uh before we go um leave us some feedback send us a message we're gonna work on this this is new as you saw we didn't even have mics on for the first five minutes so uh we'll, we'll make some adjustments as we go but we do want to continue these sort of live online dialogues with you um, maybe for good, but at least through this period. Uh, we don't want to just be creating sermons and content to put out there. We, we want some interaction here. And I know some of our pastoral team have been in the chat. Um, we haven't been able to do that as much tonight, but we might even, maybe we can work on that, how we yeah. can be a little more interacting with the chat space as well. But thanks for joining with us tonight. We weren't sure what this was going to be like. Hopefully, um, you know, it catches on and, and you can give us some feedback and, and we'll give it a shot again next week. It's just going to be so popular. Yeah, same time next week. <laughs> Yeah. Should we do that? Yeah, we'll okay. Tuesday, 7 p.m. next week, we'll do the same type of a conversation and, and we'll pick it up from there. Yeah. But thanks, everyone. Yeah. Um, hope you're staying safe. Um, yeah. You know, if you need anything from us, there is a form um, at commons.life. Uh, we have lots of volunteers and we have supplies. We can drop stuff off to you. If you know someone in your neighborhood that does need some food, does need some supplies, does need some soap, let us know and we will get stuff out to them right away. It's a really important thing, I think, for us as a community that, that we're able to care for each other in this time, um, certainly socially, but also yeah. obviously for our physical needs as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Later.